As you may have gathered, Pastor Bird's out of town, so I'm here. <clears throat> Thank you very much. Uh, before I start this message, I just want to welcome you all here tonight. and We just pray that the word that comes forth will be led by, your, by the Spirit and that it will be a blessing to you all. And uh, I'm going to ask you to bear with me a little bit tonight because um, yesterday my dad passed. And uh, those of you who are fairly new here may not have known him because he hadn't been able to come to church for several months. But uh, those of you who knew him, knew him to be a, a good, sweet man. Right. Lived to 93 years and eight months. And uh, his passing was actually a blessing for him. It wasn't necessarily a blessing for all of us, but it was for him. And uh, he's, he's in a better place. We know where he is, and he's now with my mother. And some of his siblings and his parents, uh, we rejoice for him. And having said that, we'll get down to business here. As most of you know that have uh, heard me speak before, I kind of like to start with a, with a joke because it loosens me up and hopefully it'll loosen y'all up too. And... <clears throat> This is a little story about this nice lady who had two young boys, aged eight and ten, who were so mischievous that they were always in trouble. And she was at her wit's end. She didn't know what to do with them. So she made an appointment with her local pastor to visit with each of them individually and see if he could make any progress with them. And so they decided that the younger boy would go first. So he went to the church and met with the pastor, and the pastor sat him down on the, on the pew. And uh, the pastor was a big man with a big, booming voice. And so he sat the boy down there, and he looked at him very sternly, and he said, where is God? And the little boy didn't know what to say. You know, his eyes got big, and he just kind of swallowed hard and didn't answer. So the pastor then said with a louder voice, Where is God? And the little boy started to shake. You know, he was trembling. So he still didn't answer. So the pastor said in an even louder voice, Where is God? The little boy jumped up out of the pew, ran out of the church, ran home, ran in the house, got in the closet and closed the door. His brother saw him come in and saw him go in the closet. So he went and opened the door and asked his little brother, and he said, what's the matter? And the little brother said, dude, we're really in for it this time. The God is missing, and they think we did it. <laughs> did that loosen anybody? Okay, the, the title of my message tonight is Spirit, Soul, and Body. And the uh, foundational scripture for that is 1 Thessalonians 
which says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, we are three-part beings. God created us as three-part beings. <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, we are a spirit. We have a soul. And we live in a body. Most Christians today, hopefully not this group necessarily, but in, in most of the mainline churches and, and people who are, say, what you might call nominal Christians, equate spirit and soul. They use those two interchangeably, and they're not interchangeable. They are distinctly, profoundly different. The body, we, ha we are a spirit, we have a soul, we live in the body. The body is that which can see, hear, feel, you know, all those kind of things. They're the, the sensual parts of our being. The soul is our mind, will, emotions, and conscience, which equals our personality. And on a day-to-day -day level, that's what most people see in us is our soul. And the soul receives all kinds of input all day long from various, you know, through all of our uh, senses and all that. And our body feels all those, and it transmits the information that it receives to the soul. And if, you're, if you are a born-again Christian, your soul speaks to your spirit and tells the information that it receives from the body to the spirit. And I, I have to say that in, in my own experience, for many, many years, even after I was a Christian, I equated soul and spirit. I didn't understand the difference until quite a few years ago, but uh, uh, they were the same to me because that's the way I was. That's the way I was taught. But the ideal way for that to work is for the spirit to give information to the soul, so that the soul can transmit that information to the body, and so that then the body acts out what the what the spirit has. And that is what happens even if you're not a Christian. If, you, if your spirit isn't born again, you are a sensual person. Because your, your soul, in, in that case, is not controlled by the spirit. And the soul tells the body what it wants it to do, and the body does it. If you're a Christian, your Christian spirit tells your soul what to do, what to do and the soul conveys that to the body, and you act like a Christian. You act like a Christian, a Christ-like being. It's a very important distinction. The spirit is that part of your body that gives you life, gives life to your soul and your body. And in this 
time that we've just gone through with my dad, I called him Pop, so most people around here called him Pop, too, but he was my dad. Um, he suffered a lot for the last couple of months with pain and um, not feeling that he had any real purpose in life anymore. And so his spirit wanted to die. And his spirit told his soul that he wanted to die. And so the last couple of months has just been a str struggle between the body wanting to live because all of his vitals were real good all the time and everything and, and his spirit wanting to die and so the soul wanted to die too so if you've ever been through a situation like that it's easy to see the distinction between the spirit and the soul and the body and it really is a huge difference and there is no direct connection between the spirit and the flesh and the spirit cannot be accessed in any natural way and let's look at John 3.6, please. John 3.6 says that that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So the body takes all of its instructions from the spirit. And if the spirit isn't born again, the instructions that the body gets through the soul are not good instructions. But if you are born again and the Holy Spirit lives in you and you can access the Holy Spirit through your spirit anytime. In fact, when you're born again, your spirit and the Holy Spirit become one. They're absolutely one. You, your spirit is exactly like the Holy Spirit if you're born again. Because when you're born again, that spirit that comes to live within you is makes available to you through your soul and your spirit everything that Jesus had. All the same information, all the same connection with the Father, all the, all the assets that Jesus accessed to do the things that he did are available to us. Now, I'm not saying that we are equal to Jesus in any way, shape, or form, but the, uh, the, the opportunity is there for us to become more and more like, like Jesus every day. And as Christians, that needs to be our goal. When you're born again, you, you were told you were brand new. How many born again heard you were a brand new creature? Okay. Well, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And... I heard that lots of times when I was first born again. And then 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm sure everybody that's, been, that's born again in here have heard those same scriptures when they were born again and you know if you've been to church any any period of time after that but I have to tell you in my situation after I got born again 
I simply could not reconcile those two verses with what I saw in my own life. I still had a lot of the same problems that I had before. I still had a lot of the same difficulties that I had before. I still had a lot of the bad habits that I had before. And I just couldn't reconcile what that said with my life. And it caused a lot of trouble. It caused me, first of all, to doubt my salvation. I want to encourage any of you who have struggled with that same thing. Uh, believe what the Word says. Don't believe what your natural soul tries to tell you. Believe what the Word says. The other problem that it caused for me is, is it tempted me to unbelief. And I don't think I'm unique in that category either. I think that happens to a lot of people, you know, because you can't, because you can't reconcile what the Word says about that and what you feel in your every, everyday life. I have learned that the difference is that when I doubted my salvation and I tended to unbelief, it was because I was receiving too much information through my body into my soul and not going into my spirit. Instead of the other way around, letting the Holy Spirit and the Word guide me in my everyday life and feed the information that I got in the Word and from sitting under the Word, which is the most important thing, uh, feed that information into my soul, which then communicated to my body what it should do based on the Word of God and what the Holy Spirit showed me. Now, I, I, I want to make two really important points on this because I think it's really vital. We need to be in the Word on a regular basis. We need to be reading the Word. We need to be speaking the Word. We need to be memorizing the Word. And all that's important. But most important is sitting under the teaching of the Word on a consistent basis by a preacher who is led by the Spirit and who is a good example and who is a good leader in spiritual things. I'm proud to say that we have such a man here. And uh, I'm going to go to meddling a little bit now. Any of you who are in here tonight that don't come on a regular basis to this church, you're cheating yourself. Because you're not giving your spirit the opportunity to, to, to learn and grow that will lead you down the path to greater spiritual strength and greater ability to do the word. So anybody's toes that I stepped on, don't write me any letters or anything. Um, understanding spirit, soul, and body opens the spirit realm so you can experience who you are and what you have in Christ. The real you. The you that it's, that's eternal. You know, my dad passed last night and he's at the funeral home doing what they do after someone's died. And that body is worthless. But the spirit lives on. And the soul is connected to the spirit even after you die. 
because the word shows us that after you die and become a spirit, you still have a mind, you still have thought processes, and all that comes through the soul. So that stays with us after we pass. So, you know, I think most of us know that when we get to heaven, we're going to see people there that we knew in this lifetime. And if you didn't have a soul, you couldn't experience that. So your soul has to be there with it. But you can discard this piece of clay that we call a body, that most of the world is more focused on the body than it is on the soul or the spirit, which is a terrible mistake. Terrible mistake. The spirit cannot be seen or felt. Now, I want to clarify that just a little bit because when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, you can feel that through your spirit into your soul. But you can't touch it. You can't touch it in the natural sense of feeling. But you can feel it emotionally, you can feel it intellectually, you can feel it in other ways. The spirit, our spirit, is only accessed through God's word. There's no other way for it to be fed. There's no other way for it to be educated. There's no other way for it to be guided except through the spirit. Let's look at John 6. Verse 63, which says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. That tells us if your spirit is dead to the leadership of the Holy Spirit and God's Word, it's dead. You may still be alive in your body and in your soul, but your spirit isn't functioning in the way that God intended your spirit to function. It's really important. Um, that may be hard to understand, but I encourage you to take that scripture and read it over and over until it sinks down into your spirit and allows you to understand exactly what that means. It's important to understand that. There's another, another thing that's, that's really important, and that is that um, there is spirit life. My wife reminded me of this today, and boy, what a nugget. There is spirit life in the words that we speak. You know, Sarah and I have some confessions that we do every night when we go to bed. And <laughs> some time ago when we started it, there were just, you know, just a few scriptures. And we keep adding to it and adding to it and adding to it. And now we've got all these cards and all these pieces of paper <laughs> that we juggle between her and I till we get through all those and I really can't explain to you what a blessing that is that we can do that and that we can do it together you know Sarah and I are joined body soul and spirit and the most important part of that is the spirit connection that we have with each other and how she lifts me up in my spirit 
and hopefully I do for her too. Uh, there just isn't any substitute for that, for husband and wife team. And husbands and wives ought to be a team. Let's look at James chapter 1, verse 23. It says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does or she does. Don't want to be chauvinistic about this. When he talks about man here, he's talking about mankind, which includes women. God's Word is a spiritual member, uh, mirror. And when we read God's Word or we study God's Word, we need to look at it in that sense, in that. It's an opportunity for see what, to see what the Word says and then take an inventory of how that compares with our life and what's going on on the inside of us. When you look in a natural mirror... And we all do that, you know, men shave and women fix their hair and all that kind of thing. So we all look in natural mirrors. And what you see isn't really you. It's just a reflection of who you are, of what you look like. Not of who you are, but what you look like. If we look into God's Word and regard it as a mirror, we can see our born-again spirit reflected there and recognize where our soul is is in that in that relationship that we have with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And we can tell then when it's not in alignment. And it gives us the opportunity then to make some adjustments in what we do. Um, the word isn't just a mirror that we can look in and, and take the opportunity to assess what we do but it's also a director and I've found that when, when I'm reading something in the word that makes me uneasy or makes me disappointed in myself it's an opportunity for me to take a, an inventory of what I have going on and make an adjustment. And Sarah and I have been married 55 plus years. And she can tell you that I have made lots of adjustments. One of these days I'm going to be a good husband. Um, the, the focus on this whole spirit, soul, body thing is, is the word and how we get it and then how we apply it. And, you know, some of us have a tendency to read something in the word and want to apply it to somebody else. Anybody ever did that? 
That's, that's not the right thing to do. <laughs> that never works. Every born-again believer has undergone a complete interchange, a metamorphosis. You all know what a metamorphosis is. It's when a little wormy caterpillar thing turns into a butterfly. It's a complete physical change. In our case, it's not, it's not so much a physical change as it is an inner change. When we're born again, we do undergo a complete metamorphosis in our spirit. But then whether we grow, you know, when a butterfly first comes out of the, the, the cocoon or whatever it is, uh, they can't fly. They're unable to fly. What they have to do after they come out of that is they have to get out and spread out their wings and let them dry. They're wet when they come out, and they're heavy, and they can't fly. So they spread out their wings and, and let them dry out, and then after they dry out, they can flutter and fly away. But until they make that effort to undergo the change from having wet, wing, wet heavy wings to, to light uh, dry wings, until they're willing to take that time and undergo that, they're not going to make it. Some critter will come along and eat them up. In our case, if we don't take the time to undergo that, Satan will come along and find a way to trap us. And he's good at it. So we have to be on our toes. And this whole metamorphosis thing is... We become new, and we're not in a process of becoming new. We are new. It's a complete, instant change. That if we... I better see if I'm taking too much time. No. If we don't, if we don't process that information and feed it through our soul into our body and tell our body what to do, and when I say our body... Primarily, I'm talking about our eyes and ears and our mouth. You know, your mouth can be a real tool of the devil if we don't process information through into our spirit. The flow of the, of the spirit to the soul, our spirit has everything we need to become just like Jesus. Jesus. Our mind or soul must be renewed. And we're, we're going to read a, a couple of verses here in, in Romans 12 that until, well, I think till about 18 years ago, I had never paid any attention to. So, Romans 12, verse 1, in the Amplified. I appeal, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in full view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, wholly devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service in spiritual worship. And we're going to read uh, verse 2 in just a minute, but before we do... I want, you to, I want you to really think about this. When it's talking here about your body, he's also talking about your soul. Because 
they function together. And uh, it requires a, a, a real decision, a quality decision to enable this process to take place in your life, to enable you to grow into the Christian that God wants you to be. It's a sacrifice. You know, uh, the Word says that God prefers obedience over sacrifice. But at the same time, sometimes you're making a sacrifice to be obedient. You're making a sacrifice to your soul and your body, but not to your spirit. And the Spirit will never lead you wrong. Verse 2. And this is the real crux. Do not be conformed to this world, this age. It's real important in today's time. Fashioned after and adapted to the external superficial customs, but be transformed changed by the entire renewal of your mind by its new ideals and its new attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you now when I began to really take those verses seriously um, first of all I just kind of fooled around with it I didn't make that quality decision that I was going to take that seriously and, and truly make an effort to, to do that and that's a process that you can't take lightly I mean you can't make a decision to do it one day it's kind of like tithing you can't do it one time and then not do it for three or four more paydays or whatever and then do it again and expect it to accomplish what the Word expects it to accomplish. You have to make a quality decision to do these things on a, on a consistent, faithful basis. And when you do, it always produces the fruit. God's Word brings our soul into agreement with our spirit, which has already been renewed. You all think about that just a little bit. Your spirit's already been renewed, but your soul hasn't. But you have to bring them into alignment together in order for them to produce the desired result. <clears throat> the body only reacts to what the soul tells it. That's all it does. If you touch something hot, your body tells your soul, that's hot, I need to move. Your soul tells your hand to move. It only responds to what your soul tells it. And your soul only responds to what your spirit tells it if you're born again. The soul is kind of a reactionary part of you. It reacts to the body and reacts to the spirit. One, one of those will control the soul. Either your body will or your spirit will. I know which one I prefer. Uh, next, the, the fruits of the Spirit that are resident in our spirit are awakened in the soul as a result of our mind, soul, being renewed by God's Word, which is spirit and life. 
God's Word is spirit and life. Let's look at Galatians 5, which says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Now, those are the fruits of the Spirit. So if you're a Christian and your, your spirit is connected with God's Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, these are the, the, the fruits of that relationship that you have, and it's resident in every born-again believer. Every born-again believer has these in their spirit. The question is whether they let those faculties or, or uh, assets control the soul or not. They're there in every one of us. Um, and I, th I think if we look at these, every one of us can find some of those that are not functioning in our system. I know I can still. I've been saved for a long, long time. And I still have to look at these and think, how am I doing in this? And a lot of times it's not a pleasant experience to find out how I'm doing because it's not too good. Uh, mo most people don't recognize that their spirit is the core of their being. It is who we are. You know, as I told you, my dad just passed. His body is dead. But his spirit lives forever. It's eternal. It's the core of our being. It is who we are. Good or bad. And this is, this is a quote that I took out of a book. And I was so impressed with it that I, I printed it in big letters and all caps. Now I want you to think about it. The perfection that is already resident in your spirit. Remember, it's already there. It's there from the time you're born again. It's already resident in your spirit must work its way out to your body through our soul by the process of looking into God's mirror to see what we should be like in our body and soul and then trusting the reflection that we see there. You know, if, if we're honest with ourselves... When we read the word, we will say, we will see areas of our lives where we're not actually doing what we know we ought to do. When we read the word, we know that the word is not condemning us. The word doesn't condemn us. The word convicts us. Helps us to realize the areas where we're not being what we should be. And when we see that... Uh, if we will be honest with ourselves and, and see what needs to be corrected or improved, we will take action to, to put that in process. And finally, last thought. Did I, did I do it? Yeah, I'm in good shape. Finally, remember when you were born again, your spirit was brand new and complete. Brand new and complete. 
those scriptures that I read in, in 2 Corinthians 5.17 and 5.21 that I told you that I couldn't reconcile with what I saw in myself at the time, I was leaving out a very important principle from God's Word. God's mercies are new every morning. God's grace is unfailing. God's grace never ends. God's grace... My wife uh, was telling me that, about a conversation she had with the Holy Spirit a couple days ago when uh, she was struggling with, with some needed grace. And, and the Holy Spirit reminded her that you can't save up grace. But it's always there. It's always there when you need it. God's grace never fails. We need to remember that. The rest of your life is not about getting from God, but releasing what is already yours. You already have in your spirit everything you need to live the Christ-centered life. It's already there. If you're born again, it's already there. If you're not born again, you need to get born again. Yeah, I mean, it's as simple as that. And there are lots of people in this body who can lead you to the Lord if you need some help getting there. And uh, you need to do it.